the new Horse Feathers album, Appreciation, is out today. I've been working with the band for 10 years, and in my opinion, this is their most ambitious and accessible album to date. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. Today, we shine a spotlight on Horse Feather's sixth album by talking to Justin Ringel, the man behind the band, as well as his longtime producer, Skylar Norwood, about what went into making this album so special. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for the future of what comes from Sound Exchange. You're listening to the future of what. I'm talking to Justin Ringel of Horse Feathers. Justin, welcome to the future of what. Hey, thanks for having me. Yay. So nice to see you in person, beard and all. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen you without a beard. It's It's been rare. I think the last time I didn't have a beard, I was probably nine or 10. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm not like missing no, any, no, any not really. stage. <laughs> that was legit. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Why have you had a beard this whole time since you were nine or 10? You know, I started shaving in fifth grade and just kind of like. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. And oh, just wow. kind of like, it's just such an enormous pain in the ass that I just never have like. I'd have to shave twice a day. Oh, my God. So. Do you think that you are single-handedly responsible for the Beardo movement in the Pacific Northwest? I don't know. I it mean, might I, be possible because it, it's, 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 it's the right been a time while. frame. It's been a while. <laughs> I mean, I you know, I grew up in Idaho, and there it was, I guess it was pretty ahead of the curve, the beard thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I was surrounded by many peers that had beards very early on. So yeah. I don't know. I never really thought much of it. It hasn't been as much of a fashion thing for me as more of just like necessity. This is life. <laughs> yeah, I understand that. But see, it's, yeah. it's, you guys are always the trendsetters, the ones who have to do it. It's true. I always thought it was granddaddy's fault, personally. That was Oh, oh, that guy from yeah, California? Totally. I yeah. always thought, because everybody, all boys were clean shaven my whole, like through my 20s until granddaddy. That was like a very, I always felt like it was more of a punk rock thing to be clean shaven. Yeah. In, well, a weird, in a weird way. That's true. That was yeah. sort of my scene, so that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Anyway, this is completely irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> we are having you here to talk about your fabulous new album, Appreciation. Oh, well, thank you. Which coincidentally comes out on Kill Rock Stars on May 4th. Yes. Small detail. But this album is so exciting, and I'm not just saying this because we're putting it out, or and also because I've been a fan forever of your music, but really this album is is very different. Can you talk a little bit about what was different that went into making it? You know, I, I think that the music making process is always kind of, for me, it's, you can't separate it from your life. Yeah. And I just had so many significant changes that I think that that informed it greatly. I had my first experience in producing a record and I think that weighed into it. And then I, I moved to the Southeast for a while mm-hmm. and started working with some different folks in Kentucky and so I did part of the record out there and some in Oregon and all of those things offered a lot of new perspectives. And I think that the music had kind of been silently kind of boiling over into what it is now. I think it was trying to be that for a while, but I just didn't quite get there yet. And this right. one, I think I kind of finally hit the mark. Yeah. Well, I mean, I always tell the story because I just think it's really hilarious that every single record that we've made together, <laughs> you write me like or call me beforehand and you're like, Portia, I don't know if you're going to like this. This one's really different. I know. I know. <laughs> and this time you didn't yeah, do that. I know. So I know. I and it was actually and I was different, like, oh, I think. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like it was, so different. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. But, you know, when you're, I think one thing is, too, is you get recognized for something you do early on. And like in my case, it was like 2006, and you kind of develop this sound and you think that if you stop doing that, you're going to lose the folks that are interested in you or it's going to be too polarizing. Sure. And I I felt that pressure for a long time. And then it just finally reached a point where it's like, 
Well, now there's just an absolute wealth of material like this. Mm, yeah. You, you know, I mean, it, I could keep on making records like this, or but I honestly, it was just kind of worn out for me personally. Like I just wasn't as interested in it and times change and people's attention spans change. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. You know, the landscape of contemporary music right now is quite different than it was, you know, I don't even 10 years ago. Right. It was very different. No, that's that's very true. But you, I mean, you still sound like you, you know, I mean, you still really sound like you. It's just like you were open to some different stuff that mm -hmm. really just kicked it into a different ballpark. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things where sitting around and playing guitar and writing a song or piano or whatever it is, you can write a song and it, it really, as long as you allow that to be the genesis of it and not the ending, mm. when the folk thing was a bigger deal, there was such a big onus placed on it being earnest and authentic mm. that the end game for a song was, I wrote this song and it's, this is how I feel and this is it and I can play it right here for you and that's the end. Right. And now I feel like it's it's way more like, well, yeah, that song could be that way or it could be produced X many ways. You know what I mean? It could be done three or four different types of ways and I, and this was the first time where I like allowed myself to explore that differently. Oh, that's cool. Do you think that had something to do with being a producer for, for River Wireless? I mean, talk about that yeah, experience. Yeah, I, I think that was. I learned a lot from that situation because they're such a, they were a very democratic band and I've always kind of lived in a different universe than that <laughs> in the sense that, I mean, I've, I've obviously worked with a lot of collaborators over the years, but ultimately it was my decision-making about the very end product of what was happening. Right. And I kind of rolled into that situation and, and had to learn a lot about kind of designing by committee a little bit more. And I learned a lot about some different tactics to production and also what is a full band is capable of, where it was with me, I was working with other people, their thing was like very integrated. And so I just, I just learned a lot from that. Yeah. And that informed me in many ways. That's so interesting. I always think that production is really an exciting field because to me it feels so like a blank canvas. Like you can walk in and you can do experimentation, mm -hmm. you know, and especially for you because this wasn't your band. Right. So you got to be like a little bit probably more free. Yeah, it's freeing, but it, it, there are so many ways to skin a cat with that situation <laughs> where right. it's like my expectation of what my role would be was obviously very like varied greatly from their expectation oh, interesting. even from member to member right right so that was that was challenging but ultimately i learned so much mm -hmm. from even e even the dissent or the the pushback on things and it also you know, it damaged my ego. So I, I, <laughs> I had to start from scratch, which that humility, I always think is a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> when you start over working on your own material. I, I start, I'm like, should I do this? <laughs> I don't know. Uh oh. GCD? Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Oh my God. That's yeah. funny. Would you do it again? Were you, did you like the production experience enough to try it some more? I did. I, I would like to do it again. I would obviously do some things differently, but some of the things I think are really effective, some of the things that I have used as part of my process for years, it was interesting to try them on a guinea pig and mm -hmm. like try a few different tactics, but I would love to do it again, but maybe not super soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Would you go in the, I mean, just, I'm totally spitballing here, but would you want to go in the studio with a band that was just completely different style or genre, or would you want to stay with, within this genre? I would, I would do a different style or genre if they would have me. I think that my skill set that I thought that I could bring to the table in those kind of situations was just all of the trial and error of being a songwriter for, you know, X many years I felt like I could kind of like get underneath the hood of songs. And in that situation, I wasn't capable of doing it because I was brought in a little bit further down the line mm -hmm. where I would really like to, to start with somebody to be able to kind of curate where they want to go mm -hmm. and help their vision. And it's not about like as much about placing microphones and being an engineer because I'm not, I'm not that. Right, right. So. right. It seems to me that that's like a big part of it is, you know, some people who do this for a living 
it's like it's such a dual thing. Like you have to know how to place the mics, but you also have to know how to like coax, sure. coax that great vocal performance out of somebody. Totally. And I, I don't <laughs> think that anybody is I mean, there's a lot of engineer producers, but mm-hmm. then there's a lot of guys that just sit there and like are hype men. You know, that are <laughs> that just sounded like, awesome. Yeah. Do it yeah, again. Yeah, that's sick. You know, more <laughs> of that. And I, I don't know. I I don't think it's there's any it's not a one size fits all kind of thing. I think you have there's a lot of different tactics and ways to do it. Totally, so. totally. Hear me out. I've been losing all the time. Out of love. As if the misery were designed. Cast a spell. Only hurt. Through the hex. That's even like a curse. Here's the was The Hex by Horse Feathers. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Justin Ringel of Horse Feathers. Well, one of my favorite things about the new record is the sort of soul that has come out. And <laughs> I think that's partially because of your new rhythm section. Absolutely. They'd been working out of a studio called Shangri-La in Lexington, Kentucky for a while. And a lot of the session work they do would be soul bands and Americana slash country stuff. But they just have this wealth of experience between the two of them after playing together for a decade to where their normal Monday through Friday is to just learn some, usually a singer-songwriter's songs, and then they you know, sit in the studio and 
and cut tracks all day. And wow. so I'd known these guys for a long time. Bass player and pedal steel players named Tom Nato and the drummers named Robbie Casenza. And it was just, it was so awesome to just kind of show up and it was like just super professional working with them and they're just very quick and have great ideas and it was just it was just crazy i I remember i hired them to do we did a tour with the fruit bats like all of a sudden and i was living in north carolina and all my folks that i'd played with in portland one of them was on tour with this guy kyle Kraft, and the other one was like going to go back to school and we got this tour out of the blue and i was living in Asheville, so (laughs) i called these guys in kentucky and they learned the songs in like two weeks i remember how weird it was to show up and I literally like counted in a song and just like played a song from top to bottom with him. <laughs> and it was so bizarre. Yeah. I, it was, it was really weird. And I, I think it was probably within that moment that I was like, I think I'm gonna work with these guys some more. Yeah. Yeah. So, you felt it. Yeah. Well, that really, I mean, that really brings something new to the songs, which is very exciting, but there's also lots of other cool instrumentation. I mean, you have all sorts of cool things going on in the songs. Yeah, it was just, there was just obviously a wealth of talented people that I'm lucky enough to be able to work with. My longtime violinist, Nathan Crockett, you know, he got kind of got put into a different framework this time and collaborating with him was really, I think it was challenging. I don't think it was in the beginning his favorite thing to do because I was kind of asking him to not play violin the same way. And that was like a whole, that was a whole new approach to how we'd done things for the last 10 years or wow. so. And and then obviously the inclusion of, of pedal steel and then a couple different keyboard players, one of which is a session player out of Kentucky named Lee Carroll, who actually, this is hilarious, was I, I guess a touring member for the band The Judds for years. Oh, wow. Like long time ago. <laughs> yeah. And he's like kind of an older guy and just plays soul-style keyboards for all kinds of people. Uh-huh. And it was just so funny to have a guy like that come in. I never worked with somebody that is quite like that, uh-huh. where it, it's like he he came in for a session and I'm like trying to tell him what to do. And I just felt kind of dumb. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's going to do what he's going to yeah, do. He's just here to do his thing. <laughs> yeah, he's going to do his thing and I'll decide on what I want right, out of his thing right. later. But yeah. he was fun to work with. And then... A soul singer in Kentucky named, or her group's called Jocelyn and the Sweet Compression, mm-hmm. who we're actually going to do a show with in Louisville, which is going to be super fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So hopefully I'll get her to guess with me because she sang on a couple things on the record and she's doing well out there. It's like a very much a traditional soul band. Yeah. So, and that's, I mean, you and I have talked about this, of course, because this is, this is like, you know, the stuff that we talk about, but this record also feels different because we've just had such a long runway. In mm-hmm. before you know, getting to- totally this lead up time to before we put it out. I don't even understand how that happened, but somehow we managed to have this really long. I know it's been crazy. Period, and it feels really long. Like I feel like this record <laughs> has been out for six months <laughs> in my in my mind. Yeah, like when we were talking the other day, you you were saying how you felt like things were going well and it felt good, and and I was like, God, I feel like it's kind of quiet. <laughs> But it's because <laughs> the, the record's, record's not, not out. out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally, I know. And so, yeah, hopefully it'll continue to progress and, you know, pick up a little bit once we actually put the record out and people right. can hear it. Considering there's only one single currently available. Yeah, pretty well, much. two, now two. two. yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's just been, it's just been crazy. Yeah. My mom told me though, this is so funny. I just sent her the record this last week. Uh-huh. So she hadn't really heard it. She'd uh-huh. heard like demos a long time ago, but you can't, you can't really play that stuff for your mom. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like moms are tough critics yeah, because yeah. She, she'll just be like, "I don't like the way you're singing," yeah, you know, right. or or whatever. And then I'll <laughs> be like, "Why?" And so anyhow, she uh, she got the record, and now she's like in full blown mom fan mode. Oh wow! And she she texted me this morning at six thirty in the morning to let me know that you can buy copies of the record on eBay from Germany. What? Yeah, somehow, I don't know, some advanced copies somehow. Oh like probably God. from somebody that got sent something for press or... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Oh, but she crazy. was letting me know. She she wanted me to She's let you know. She's on it. Too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, now... The, you know, the piracy. I'm like, well, mom, I don't necessarily know if that's quite as serious as it once was. Like, it's not like 
you know, LimeWire and Napster are a big yeah. deal anymore, yeah. necessarily. And it's funny because you're such a strong Spotify band, which I always think is like the perfect, I mean, I don't know if irony is the right word, but it's just perfect because you're actually the reason that Kill Rockstars has stuff on Spotify. Like, because mm-hmm. you came home from that tour one year and you were like, we need to yeah. get our stuff on Spotify. Yeah. And oh, so that's sure. when I put up the whole catalog. And you guys have just been, like, from the beginning, just blazing on, on Spotify. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's always been surprisingly, you know, strong on there. I mean, al- always room for improvement or it would be amazing to get on a half a dozen more playlists, of course. But where it sits, I mean, it, I'm always kind of shocked. I mean... Well, you've already been on, like, 97 playlists. I mean, seriously, yeah. like, your playlist history is incredible for, you know, given any anybody else's... Right. ...any comparison. But I also find Spotify so fascinating for you guys because now that we have artist insights and we can look at mm-hmm. the back end, it's like your fan base on Spotify is so much younger than your fan base, I think, that actually comes to shows. Yeah, that's surprising to me, too. But I think that that stuff evolves, too, because I feel like a number of years ago when it was like we were way more a much quieter affair and mm-hmm. it was a lot more chamber-based and it required a lot of attentive listening, the, the, the material did. Right. In those days, I kind of felt like we were definitely a little bit more NPR. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, straight up NPR yeah. fan base. And we had like a lot of older folks would really dig us. Yeah. And we could play a very serene show and they would really appreciate how it wasn't loud and all that. And then, right. you know, and that, that was fine. And there was a time and place for that. And I enjoyed that. But then it finally got to the point where I was like ready to, I mean, when we're also playing in clubs that have a bar inside the room you're playing, I mean, it kind of got to the point where yeah. I, I just literally didn't want to deal with that dynamic level in those environments. Yeah. Because it was just like people would come to a show to just hear people talking at the bar as opposed to the band. Right. It's sort of funny that you guys, you've had the opposite career. Like most bands start out really loud and noisy (laughs) and then they get like mellower with age. I know. By the time they're like 60, they play at 8 p.m. and they're off the stage by 9 p.m., you know? (laughs) I know. It's hilarious. Like I feel like, well, you you saw us at Tree Fort. That was... You know, we were seriously shaking some rust off because I hadn't played a show like that in, I don't even know, a year and change or something. And getting up there and I'm playing this new material and I was like, God, this feels like, I feel like I'm 17. (laughs) 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 Like, it's just so different. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, in the beginning of this band, like, I used to sit down and just like, (laughs) you know, Travis pick acoustic guitar and sing very quietly. Uh Yeah. And now I'm like trying to figure out like, if I do this rock move, am I going to hurt my knee? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You got too old. Yeah, you turned rock Ser- while we're at yeah, the seriously. rock time. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> that was an amazing show, by the way. Oh, thanks. That was such a great show. And it was so fun for me because, I mean, the room was completely packed for people who weren't there. But you guys played almost entirely new material, and the, everybody went nuts for it. Which I, yeah, you never that, see that. Like, that's a hard thing to achieve. That's always so exciting. And I don't know how it happened with this one. Maybe I think it's a testament to maybe how we created it or I'm not sure. But normally with records, like I'm usually at this time before a record, I'm getting everything ready to go and we'll play two thirds of our set will be old material and then like one one third of new material. So I'll usually like three to five, maybe six songs of a new record. Mm -hmm. But this one is like we're playing nine out of ten right now yeah probably you'll get ten the last one figured out soon and and i have never had it like that where they just like and they came together and they feel appropriate yeah and like they're like all of us are looking forward to playing them so that's kind of a difference though we haven't had that situation before yeah to me it feels very organic like all this whole thing the you know the album the stage show and the rollout all feels very organic like people are really excited about it in a genuine way and it's flowing very naturally so i hope it just I've been stays excited. that way yeah i know <laughs> and you must be dying to get on tour i mean at this point i am i you know i don't even really know it's been funny because let me put it this way my partner she is a full-time musician too so what's happened that's different is my domestic life is all about music business and touring all the time uh-huh so I've never had this period of time where, you know, I've been working on this record for a while, but 
I've been on tour several times just with her, to be with her. So it's weird because I feel like I've been on the road. Right. Even though I haven't done it to play. So now I get to go do it. And the cherry on top is that I actually get to play. Yeah. (laughs) Which is is nice. It's like, yeah, honey, I do this thing too. (laughs) It's called, you know, it's called performing and I do it sometimes (laughs) as well. You're not the only one. Right. So... Oh my gosh, musician relationships, that's yeah. That's just, I mean, to me, that's like acting relationship. I mean, anything where you do the same job oh, yeah. has got to be, uh, just add that extra layer of spice to a relationship. Oh man, it, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it's pretty crazy. It, yeah. I mean, just the weirdest thing is to be, to be looking in the same direction, but having the same trials and tribulations a lot mm-hmm. is... It's totally a blessing and a curse. Right. Because the thing with music is the highs are very high and the lows are very low. Yeah. And when you both have that, it's just like, it can be crazy town. Yeah. Bit. Let's hope you don't have them at the same exact time. Yeah, I know. Well, it's it's funny because she's, she's putting out a record like in June. Oh my God. So we're just like, <laughs> You're at the same oh, album we're cycle. like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah. That is crazy. The cold won't crack. If your cover was blown You do what you need To take what you already own Your praises were sung But the mute can't sing You do what you please And reply what arm could it bring No, I'm sweet when I say I don't mean don't mind me asking, but why the disguise? The conversation's increasingly cross. When you ask, how much does that cost? Your phone won't whine if the king don't bitch. Your skin is crawling, crawling. Need his thumbs to scratch that head. That was Don't Mean to Pry by Horse Feathers. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. KRS loves Merch Table. 
See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Justin Ringel of Horse Feathers. So how does your year shape up? Like, you know, for the people who listen to this podcast who are young musicians who are sort of aspiring to have, I mean, you're like my ideal of a career musician. You know, you're you're someone who's been doing this for 12, 15 years, mm-hmm. make your living doing it. You know, for their benefit, what does your year look like now that your album is going to come out in the next couple of weeks? Well, the release week, we have a bunch of things that we're going to do. And then on the road for, I think the tour is six weeks, I want to say, or... Just about. Mm -hmm. And then we're working on getting some stuff happening in Europe and then more U.S. fall touring. And that'll pretty much round out the year. Yeah. And then past that, I would imagine we'll be looking into early 2019 spring something. And Mm -hmm. then usually it's kind of usually back to the drawing board a little bit. Mm -hmm. But we'll have to see. Sometimes it can go longer, but other times these days, who knows? I mean... The yeah. life cycle of music is can be like two seconds, so right, or it can be, or it can be longer, two three years. Yeah, yeah. You know, if an album is is very hot and people yeah. has just, legs, as they say, exactly, it just totally depends. So yeah. I don't know yeah. exactly. And when you're on tour, you know, just for their benefit, you're going to be doing in studios at oh, radio, bunch of stations, uh, yeah, and in stores, and in all stores, sorts of stuff. in studios. Mm-hmm. Sometimes more than one a day. We have a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. Those those are always fun to break to the band. Yeah. I might add. Hey. Being the band leader. Yeah, exactly. It's always like Hey guys. Hey. Yeah. So yeah, on you know, the sixteenth or whatever. <laughs> It looks like we're going to have to drive after the show the night before. <laughs> and then we're going to probably have to leave at 6 a.m. from the hotel to be there at 10. <laughs> and then we have another thing at 3 mm-hmm. and then sound check at 5. Yeah. That's usually not popular. But again, one of the great things with playing with, I, I joke oftentimes that in the past in Portland, I always would assemble bands kind of to make a bad sports analogy kind of through the draft uh-huh. in the sense that I would see people playing locally or be recommended folks. And a lot of times I'd take them out and it'd be like their first experience touring. Aye. So I had a lot of crazy experiences with that over the years. Mostly good, but people would figure out pretty fast that this isn't really a lifestyle they want to do. Exactly. Where now everybody I play with has done it for over a decade. Right. So now a lot of this stuff is like, it's an easier sell. They understand the ins and outs. It's not like I'm blowing their mind ever. Right, right. There's just like collective groaning, just sometimes (laughs) like, oh, Uh, but in general, it's pretty good. Yeah. And that's because, I mean, you know, this show, we always try to get people to understand that this is a job and the more successful you are at this job, the more work you have to do. Like it doesn't get easier. It's not like you get, you know, some modicum of fame and then you can just relax and like hang out in your trailer. Like there's tons of work. Oh yeah. And it's, it's, it's so weird. I think the, I think one of the weirdest things I've been really thinking about with this record is how many types of hats you have to wear mm-hmm. are really is yeah. really weird because it's like sometimes I just feel like I've been working on like t-shirts designs with with folks and photographers and all this it's like sometimes I just feel like you're doing like kind of default art direction right but then at other times I'm like also a de facto travel agent. Right. Like I totally, <laughs> I've learned, like I know like the baggage policies of most major airlines. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just weird, weird things like that. Like yeah. sometimes it's just like the amount of stuff you deal with. Totally. Is, is kind of crazy. Yeah. You wear a lot of hats in this, mm-hmm. in this business just to do your job. Mm-hmm. Just for the day to day. Yeah. I mean, also you start to learn a lot about auto mechanic work, <laughs> you know, right. stuff like that. Yeah, unless you have a brand new van, yeah, which nobody does almost. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah, it it's is a lot. crazy, but it's exciting. It is. We're very excited. So yeah, we have fun things happening. Like starting, well, I guess it already started last Friday. Your songs are being played in fifteen hundred movie theaters around the country. I know that's crazy. Which is really that's cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, there's just some fun stuff happening this time. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of new. I mean, that's one thing about the music business. It's always changing. Mm-hmm. So with every album release, you know, there's new stuff that's in the marketplace that we can do that we didn't get to do before. Yeah, so absolutely. Cool. I mean, I think it is crazy that we had, this is the first time I think that we've had a sync that was in a TV show before 
the album came out. Yep, that has never happened for yeah, you guys that before. that was new. Which is really good. And Sneaky Pete on Amazon. Yeah, exactly, which I have yet to see, but... <laughs> well, you've been busy. You're, you're a travel agent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so, it's so crazy. Like, we just drove to Iowa City, and I flew home, like, last week, which was totally insane. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, you know, I mean... Yeah. <laughs> That's not like, I think only long haul truckers feel that, (laughs) like that, how that feels, you know what I mean? Like where it was like this whirlwind where it was like, all of a sudden we're in Iowa and then I I flew home and was back here and was like, what happened? Right, right. Was that for a festival? Yeah. How was that? It was fun. It was good. There's no amount, like we'd have to play to like a sold out Wembley stadium. I mean, really to to meet your expectations after driving through Wyoming and Nebraska for days on end. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, there's no payoff. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it's sad to say, but there just really isn't a level of payoff that that is adequate. Right. Really. Right. You're kind of just a zombie by the time you get there. And totally. So, but no, it, it was fun. It was good. Well, what else? What are you most excited about? Like, is there one thing coming up that you're looking forward to out of this whole next several months of you know Shoot. hard work and you know, there's this sweet spot that the thing that I look forward to more than anything is. You know, you rehearse like crazy and you're always, no matter what, you're never as prepared as you want. Uh-huh. I mean, we, we've been rehearsing a bunch, but you're never, all the songs need to be tested and you never figure it out until a couple weeks. Right. And you don't have all of your transportation stuff and your merch stuff and like your, just all the stuff doesn't really ever click, no matter how hard I've ever tried until you're in the tour for almost two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everything's automatic. Yeah. And it's awesome. Because awesome. then you're just showing up and everything's kind of happening and you just get to play. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to worry about it. You know, when you're working on a record, it's almost like you're working for like two years or a year or something to get to that right. two week point into a tour where you like are like, oh my God, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> It takes a long time to get there. And then once you're there, you're, it, it feels so good. It does feel great. And you just, you're playing and yeah. people love it. And, yeah. and they're, they're just like, oh my God. Yeah. And, and you're like, oh yeah, there's no sweat. Super easy. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. just banged that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's going to be great. This will be great because this will be the first time your fans have seen you guys on a, you know, tour with a new album in like three years. So I think this will be a big... yeah. Yeah, exciting. I, I, I'm actually kind tour. of afraid because I mean, for us, in a way, we did one tour in 2016 that was like in in kind of the Northeast mostly mm-hmm. with the Fruit Bats, and that was the first time playing with these guys. And so for us, it felt like, oh well, we've been doing this for a while, and we played a few stray shows and stuff here and there. But I'm kind of wondering about the people that like came to see us like years ago. And then they're like, oh, maybe I'll go check this out. I want to go see, hear him play like Curse in the Weeds or something <laughs> like that. And then all of a sudden they're going to think we're like black metal in comparison uh, <laughs> to that. I think given the reaction of the Tree Four crowd, you're not going to have a problem. I think people are going to really love this. Yeah. I, it's still you. Uh, it's just. Yeah, I, I think so too. A little more rock and roll. Exactly. Like an older, more rock and roll you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> see, yeah, exactly. Totally. If you can figure that one I out. I know. Well, I mean. <laughs> What's funny about that is for years, you know, I was always like just this symptom of me calling you and telling you, like, I think I made something really different. It was like all these shades of like, oh, my God, I don't want to get too loud. Right. You know, and and now I'm just kind of like, whatever. You kicked out the jams, Justin. Totally. Exactly. (laughs) Well, everybody go see him on tour starting May 9th, I believe. That's right. In Vancouver, not Washington. B.C. B.C. Justin Ringel, it's always a delight to have oh, you with well, us. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming by. Thanks, Portia. Work was on the way. And I'd rather be no one working thing. Now searching for a
That was Without Applause by Horse Feathers. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Skylar Norwood of Miracle Lake Studios. Skylar, welcome to The Future of What? Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's nice to see you. I haven't seen you in like five years, Yeah, <laughs> at least. Yeah, it's been that, I think Justin and I stopped by the KRS yeah. headquarters. Yeah, like about that long ago. So now we are talking today about Horse Feathers because they have this fabulous new album, Appreciation, coming out today. Yay! Yes, that's awesome. And you started working with Justin how long ago? From the beginning. From the 12 very years beginning. ago. Wow. So you did you work on Words Are Dead with him? Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Wow. That album is, I love that album. That's, I mean, obviously that's the album that made me want to sign him. Yeah. But I love that album so much. Yeah. I still do. I can't say yet that we were having fun then, <laughs> <laughs> but we were working and uh-huh. it was and it was awesome. But yeah, and then we started having more fun throughout. Even though the records, some of them got progressively sadder. <laughs> we <laughs> pushed the stop button just... You know, but I won't tell that secret. Oh, my gosh. You just had fun while recording, like, really deep and depressing music? Oh, Justin turns into, like, a child in the studio. And, what if we do this and that? And, and <laughs> he smiles. And he's smiling. It's so great. Wow. Yeah. How did you guys meet each other? Through mutual friends. He went to college with a bunch of bands that I had been playing with. And I did the first talk demonic record what i guess i've done all of those two with kevin but they were friends and so he knew that i had the studio and hooked me up with justin you know i had never really listened to too much acoustic music at the time because i was still really young so (laughs) i just referenced a lot of nick drake and stuff that i loved so i went really dry with the guitars and got as close up to the mic as i could with him and just started in that first day I got goosebumps and I knew that as a engineer and a producer you always or I always know when somebody's going to want to listen to it because I get goosebumps and I want to listen to it it's really simple actually. oh wow so and that happened I was just like oh boy oh, 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 oh goodness <laughs> and that was early that was, I was when I was still just starting out but because Talk to Monic they had a little bit of Portland success in that beginning with the best band thing and all that stuff. So all these people started wanting to record with me, and it was really an exciting time. So I was threw myself into it and got emotional with Justin. And I remember it was so visceral being a part of someone's brain. Just you, I was in his brain. And it felt cool. I felt maybe I could arrange some things for the better, you know, like a house cleaner, which is probably (laughs) why I've worked with him for so many years, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, we hit it off well in the beginning and 12 years, I'm assuming. 12 sounds like a good number. I think that's right. That's approximately 12. Yeah. So now let's talk about this new record because it's actually really different. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about it? Tell me your thoughts. Well, when he first brought me... The songs, I thought they sounded closer to what we were kind of going for on some of the songs on, I go by album cover. It's really pretty and there's all these colors. Is it Thistled Spring? No, after Thistled Spring. So it is with us? So it is with us. Yeah. So that's the one where we did in the barn and it was so cool. Bats were flying around and, <laughs> and like, it's Ozzy Osbourne. But we wanted to make it big and we were using big distance microphones and We actually tried to make, for us, the new record sounds like Thistled Spring, too, because we hear that so big, even though it's it's still very intimate. We were always kind of going for Blown Out at that Mm -hmm. point. It wasn't until we were actually able to utilize a a rhythm section that we could put it to 11 and start distorting things and just being, you know, when you've been working together and even with Justin being a, a working musician for that long, you either quit or you just say, what else can we do? So the tempos came up and we just started rocking out. And he would always, he's just like, what do you think? What what about this? Is this crazy? And I said, yes, this is totally crazy. (laughs) We should do this. And then we spend a lot of time arranging things to manage the craziness into these kind of pop songs 
with this record, it's even different because there's actual structure, you know, the, the structure of Horse Feather songs are, there's so many parts and it's not necessarily a chorus, you know, we right. always have to come up with really creative terms for parts of the song, but this one is pretty just like cut and dry. Verse, pre-chorus, chorus, finale, it's a big part of yeah. music, you gotta have the finale. <laughs> yeah. You have to call it a finale in the studio, otherwise it's just an ending or an outro. <laughs> And that's not as exciting. No, definitely not. <laughs> so, yeah, the rhythm section helped. You know, what Justin Power was doing on So It Is With Us informed a lot of what was happening in Dusty, too, with the drums. Like The musicians he picked were very creative. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I can hear it, and it makes a difference. Yeah. So now get bringing in these fresh Nashville guys who are awesome but also emulating these eclectic portland people <laughs> you, what you get is this really specific and interesting and unique thing and i love it like when he brought the test pressing back we listened to it and i thought every song was fantastic and the flow of the album was perfect and like always we're like oh this one's people are gonna love this one you know <laughs> like we always just pat ourselves on the back and then immediately followed by self-loathing and <laughs> But yeah, it was, <laughs> I'm rambling. No, I, it, it's I, fun. Did I did Justin tell you that I you know my story about this record is that every single record he's ever done for Cover Rockstars before he like sends it to me, he calls me and he's like, "Okay, Portia, <laughs> this one's really different." Yeah. You know, and it's just funny because the story you tell about like what you wanted on so it is with us, like the big blown out sound. It's like it's so funny because when you're dealing with you know dynamics via strings your palette is so limited compared to what you can do with like a full real rhythm section uh -huh. and he's he certainly feels that too at mm -hmm. times you know that's and especially when you have string players in the band and stuff mm -hmm. it, it parts have to be delegated and then you know nate starts playing different instruments and stuff and just to get out of that because mm -hmm. it was a part of it for so long i mean even just bands i recorded would come to me from listening to Horse Feathers. So I'd be kind of, I don't want to say stuck, right. but I'd be involved in a lot of sad music <laughs> with a lot of people <laughs> because they want that sound. Right. But then it's, again, it's just me in a room with yeah. uh, out windows for a long time <laughs> hearing sad songs and then coming home and, you know. Having to go to therapy. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's what I think. I mean, to me, the greatest thing about this record is that it sounds like Justin, only it sounds like fully realized Justin. It's like what Justin can do if you give him everything. You know, I mean, the Hammond organ, the hand claps, the, I mean, it's just, it's all over the place. And I love it. Like, I love all oh. those component parts. Yeah. In complete control of the sound more than ever before. And I think that just comes with being adults. You know, he's all, I've, he's been an adult since I met him when we were in our early 20s. But now that we are old, now that we do have gray hairs coming in and all these things <laughs> that were referenced all in the past, you know, it's like our physical selves caught up to our hearts. And so he's comfortable and just writing these songs. You know, it starts with the songs and they're so fun and he's allowing self to have fun you know like so it is with us was him seeing what happens if he relaxes a little bit and right. now he's he is it's fully realized and he goes for it and he has no because he listens like he loves blonde redhead for example mm -hmm. but you don't hear a lot of that influence or any on a house with no home <laughs> for example right but we would reference blonde redhead before going in there just melodically just to let it go into our brains so now when he's able to have a, something going like some of those songs on the new record, we feel great about it. It's like we've always wanted it. And he, he's finally realizing his vision of what he's hearing in his head, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which as a songwriter like him, I always imagine he hears more than what any of us hear. Mm -hmm. You know, when he's at home writing these songs, he's hearing things that we won't hear, we don't hear, we'll never hear. Right. <laughs> but... I feel you're absolutely right that this record is the closest idea of what we're hearing. We're hearing what he's hearing. Does that make sense? Yeah, Am I, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it, but it takes time and patience and being comfortable in your own skin. 
to do that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, geez, I don't even know what else to ask you because that was very eloquent and I think that says it all. So Skylar Norwood, thank you so much for being with us today on The Future of What? Thanks for having me. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Horse Feathers and of course our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Saban, president of Kill Rockstars. See you next week. <laughs>